When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm a good. I'm very good. This good. meeting is being recorded. This Got meeting it. is being recorded. Yes. Anything okay. you say can so watch what you say. will be used against you. Yes. Right. I did a thing with Bob Picardo, uh, Joe. Uh, that's the last time we were worked together with Bob Picardo and I. We did a a thing called uh, Extra School, learning how to how to be an extra. You know, like when you talk, you don't talk. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's great. Exactly. The um, Bruce, Bruce and Bob worked together in the amazing stories episode that I directed called uh, Boo with, oh, um, you with Eddie Bracken and with Eddie Bracken uh, and, uh, and, and, um, and um, Star- Scarlett O'Hara's other sister. Right. Who was really great. And when, and when and we, at one point she had to have this sort of zombie makeup on. So it was like, we took, yeah. they just put white stuff all over her face. She looked 14. I mean, it was oh. amazing. I mean, she must've been in her seventies. Oh, yes. Uh, well, I guess, should we, should we, uh, do it? Do it yeah, go for it. <laughs> Joe and I are a bit rusty. We've been off. We've been off for, when's the last time we did it? It's been like a week. Yeah. It was like a year. Hard to, hard to believe we can function without doing this. I, I know. <laughs> I've had to talk about movies with friends. It's driving me. <laughs> this is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. childhood sir i did yes oh, you did sorry. uh when i when i was a kid willard was the movie to see oh yeah uh, by which you measured your intestinal fortitude and um <laughs> uh just finding an adult who would take you to that thing uh but <laughs> we are I'm, I'm i'm so excited to have uh, i thought he was going to say fortune in men's eyes <laughs> <laughs> you know it was interesting no. oh can i get to talk to oh no absolutely yeah that's that's right yes no they yes please do Say something. Um, I, you know who else is was a fan with, that I when I worked with was Stephen King, and oh, yeah. uh, I didn't know that at the time. But uh, I was doing a, a thing called Kingdom Hospital uh, TV mm. series mm-hmm. that uh, we worked on That's together. Right, remake of the uh, Lars Von Trier up in yeah. Vancouver, and he said, um, "What was that uh, you used to say? I, I I used to hate myself, but I like myself now." He's, and he had me standing in the rain and repeating that over and over, all day, <laughs> like 12 till three in the morning. I don't know if they ever used it, but it was great. I used to hate myself, but I like myself now. That's fantastic. Are you, um, one, of those, are you one of those actors who doesn't like to watch himself and doesn't? Yes, unfortunately I am. Yeah, I didn't oh, used to be that way. I used to think I could fix things that I couldn't fix after they were done and already released. But it was always, oh, geez, that's a way. And I think about it driving home in the car. So are there, are there classics of yours that you actually haven't watched? 
Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, I watch them eventually. You know, uh, I guess the last 10, 15 years, I haven't done any classics in the last 15 years, I don't think. But yeah, a couple of things. Um, uh, I just recently watched Shortcuts because oh, uh -huh. on uh, Altman's uh, film. And Fantastic I really, movie, yeah. Really liked uh, what he did. I love the ensemble. Yeah. Everybody. He had eight people mic'd at the same time all overlapping and talking each other, which is something he got fired for um, working at uh, Warner Brothers. They gave him his box, a cardboard box outside the door. They wouldn't even let him back in because of all the overlapping dialogue he was doing on combat or something. The, the, well, yeah, the price of being ahead of your time, I guess. Um, well, he's also, I, it's, it's world of, yes, uh, shortcuts. Um, and you were, uh, what was it Golden Globe for um, Best Ensemble Acting, I think. And yes, then, absolutely. Uh, you also... One one for a longtime companion, which you also yes. got nominated for an Oscar for. I'm telling you, I'll tell our audience. Um, he's in uh, a ton of Broadway. Um, he's in the great, great Frank Perry movie uh, last summer. Short Eyes, longtime companion. Um, Shortcuts, Willard, of course. Uh, currently seen in the Manor, um, and going to be in the upcoming season of Ozark, and a movie. And I'm going to force you to do something. I don't think I've ever done anybody like this before because I've heard this story. And it's great. And I just want to hear it again so that our listeners can. But I went to see Olzana's Raid, which is a movie oh. I love, love, love at yeah. the New Beverly a while ago. I, yeah, it has to have been before quarantine. So whenever that was. And you were there. Mm, and was. you had the best Burt Lancaster story um, <laughs> about him forgetting your name later. That that I'm I'm hoping you can recreate for us. Oh oh, I've got a lot of great Burt Lancaster. Oh, I'm sure, but this this one like I had the whole audience just in tears. It was so lovely. Oh yes, yeah. Um, he I I was doing the Little Foxes with Harris Yulin playing my father, and he said Burt's out there tonight. You know, so but he doesn't want to come backstage, and so I didn't. By the time I got out there, he left. And I said, well, what, what happened? You know, uh, you know, we did, we worked together for four or five months to, uh, on this film. He says, oh, he, he said, oh yeah, he, he, he said, he remembered you. He said, you were, he says, Bruce Williamson. He's a wonderful actor. <laughs> and I used to think, fuck that. But now I understand because I can't remember anybody's name that I worked with. I'm thinking Henry, uh, what was it? Oh, Fonda. Yeah, that's, that's, I had a daughter, uh, Jane, Jane, yeah. So I understand now, but I have a better Burt Lancaster. Story. Oh, but I thought there was, you left out the best part, or maybe I, the, the, there was a follow up oh. where, where you ran into him and he couldn't, he still couldn't remember your name, but where he remembered your rank. Oh, Lieutenant. Oh, yes. 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 Oh, oh, yes, yes. He remembered me as the character I played. Right, right. And lieutenant. And, um, <laughs> but uh, the first time we were working together, we were out on horseback in a two-shot. And it was the first day, and we were losing the light. And um, Aldrich has got 50 cavalry and the painted desert behind us, and he's got to get this shot in the, in the next two minutes. And... Bert and I are on horseback, and the dialogue is, uh, "Well, yeah, you, 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 you got to ride a horse till it, you know it drops dead on you. If you're an Apache, then you'll cut a piece off, eat, steal another. You can't better that, Lieutenant." And I'm saying, "Well, I hate to think of people uh, in jeopardy." And he says, "Well, it's best not to." And he rides out of the shop. 
So we're the two of us on the horseback in ten years. So you're a student, a student at NYU. Yes, I I went to the, the I went to NYU School of Hard Knocks out to, <laughs> up in Hell's Kitchen there, and he started inches horseback. So if you're two actors and one inches is horseback, you know, he he's the one that the other one's got to look at it. And we're just doing a two shot. So he starts inching his horseback. So I say, yeah, there's, he says, oh, yes. And uh, you live where? I said, oh, 72nd on the park. There. He's, oh, you know that tall building there on the park, 72nd? Shelly Winters lives there. You ever seen her when she was young? Oh, hell of a broad. Yeah, yeah, we almost had a kid in 56. <laughs> he's inching his horseback and he looks over and I, and I, I just instinctively, I started to move my horseback. You know. <laughs> He turns around and he says, this is the most beautiful savannah, this country out here, isn't it? Uh, the young lieutenant is not as innocent as he seems, are you, you little son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Aldrich says, what the hell are you two guys? You're, on your, you're off your marks. Get on your marks there. We're losing the light. So that was my first shooting with Bert, who I adored and who gave me some great advice later on. Did he continue to upstage you or did you? Uh, oh, every chance he got, but, but he didn't have to. You know, I, I, I thought I was, oh, I'm acting him off this. I, I'm acting storms around him. And then I um, unfortunately would watch the rushes when I was younger and I'd see and it would be like this little whippet bouncing around a bulldog, you know. <laughs> I'm acting, I'm acting, I'm acting. He's, yes, son, you're acting, that's good. Nobody's watching me, <laughs> watching me. Because I just stand here and I'm the rock of Gibraltar. That's right, I'm Burt Lancaster. God damn yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And we're very, we're very excited to have you here. And well, uh, thank you. Um, we, uh, you know, um, Love to love to talk to you about kind of the movies that inspired you over the years. Right. Um, sure. What I know, yeah. I mean, you sort of. You, I, I gather, although you never know for sure. According to Wikipedia, you stumbled into acting accidentally. So I don't know if. Uh, yeah, I was up at uh, Penn State University as an art major. I started, um, you know, I I started as an art major in school. I thought that's what I wanted to be, and then my parents made me get a BA. So I had a. Um, I had a, a, a just a, a, an extra course that I took, and it was appreciation of theater. And um, I was walking along with a friend one day up at Penn State, and there was an audition. Uh, so I walked in. He said, "Go ahead, I'll, I'll challenge her." She did. I'm sorry. Uh, and um, so it was uh, "Come Back, Little Sheba," and it was just for the, you know, a small part in it, and. I got up there and I was terrified and uh, I didn't get the part, but man, wow, anything that scares me that much must be kind of interesting. And mm. all of those great lines you get to say, I don't, you know, I can't uh, paint my way into meeting girls. I, but if I had a good line, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So anyway, were you, were you, uh, were you like a movie? A big movie person beforehand? Do you like film? Or oh yeah, yeah. Yep. I loved I loved the films, and especially the films that I would see at uh, up at starting at Penn State. There was a theater called Twelve Trees, which was uh, where uh, I got involved in a lot of the foreign films and and the great performances they had there, and that really altered and changed my perceptions on a lot of things. 
was fantastic. Well, yeah, so I, yeah, I want to hear about some of the movies you loved um, when you were. Okay, uh, well, I, I could only get 11. I mean, I couldn't get rid of one of them, but. Uh oh, okay. Anyway, well, we'll, but the first. The it's first a small thing, fine. Um, we'll send it to you. You have six weeks to pay it. And uh, All right. That's okay. pretty good. That's, can you take a check? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, first was not a movie, it was a, a series, the TV series. So mm. it was um, a Flash Gordon which were the serials, the Mongo and um, Flash Gordon's trip to Mars. I wasn't a big fan of Flash, Flash Gordon Conquers the Universe because they, you know, they looked like Robin Hood costumes by then. And I, they, and I guess I was not as fooled as I was when I was younger, but I, I kept trying to um, organize the neighborhood into, you know, um, Ming the Merciless was my best friend. And of course I was Flash, Flash and whoa. So that was my first. Uh, was that was that? Did you see those? Because those were um, Saturday morning serials first. Did you I see them first on TV? Though, the or? Saturday morning okay. serials, but then they then they got them on television. Right. And, you know, at first television with three channels, and you'd watch the Indian from nine till nine o'clock when something had come on. Um, the test pattern. That's right. Yeah, I was going to say we had to explain to some of our audience that uh, right. used to be. <laughs> It used to be an Indian, not a Native American. Oh, Indian. that's right. But but yeah, they're, your the television. Fact the fact that there used to be television that didn't have anything on it. Yes, there was nothing on it, and then at midnight uh, they play the Star Spangled Banner, and you just watch. Yeah, like midnight, and then and then right. all night long, if you turn on the TV at three a.m., there would be this. You watch uh, snow. No. Yeah, snow, yeah. and then there'd be that the picture. Of the, yep. And then Modern <laughs> Farmer would come on in the morning. <laughs> yes, before my time. Before my time. Or Dave Garraway. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Kukla Fan and Ollie. Or the Sunday lamp until my feet. Anyway, um, um, I was. You have a guy, by the way, who listens to all of these and, and cites every TV show, movie, whatever that's referenced in this thing. And he's got to find links for them for, for our website. <laughs> and, and I think we, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm we'll be here, all right. I can't we'll wait for him to find out right. about lamp unto my feet. That's going to be that's fun. It. Sorry, Alex. Who was Captain Kangaroo before he was Captain Kangaroo? Oh, that, Captain K, yes, I remember him. He was, he was. Um, um, Keishan, uh, war hero. That's right. Uh, yes, yes, he was even before that, before he worked on Howdy Doody as Clarabelle, the clown. Right. Oh, okay. So the second one I have uh, was a movie. And the first, it was the first movie that I remember seeing my father. My mother divorced when I was three, and my father used to get me for weekends. And the first thing he'd do would be to take me to the same movie, which was playing for a year. And that was King Solomon's Minds. Oh, wow. And that had the greatest impact on me as sure. a kid. You know, I used to, I used to be on the playground and I'd want to say something important to a girl, and I'd say, don't sit there, ants. <laughs> In the jungle, it's eat or be. <laughs> it's a, That's fantastic. And, and, I and wonder, you're, you're from Philadelphia, too, correct? Yes. That's yes. well, amazing, because you just described my childhood in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, a few I did. Years later. Well, then yes. you remember Chief Halftown. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I do. I how how long Chief was Chief Halftown? Because in New Jersey, we could actually get a shadowy version of Channel 6, which was which was Philadelphia. And they had all the best cartoons. And watch that. Uh, Roland was, before he became Zachary and moved to New York, was Roland and showed he showed all the horror movies at 11 o'clock on Friday night and Saturday. God, but uh, Chief, uh, Chief Halftown. That was before my time, about my time. But I do remember Chief Halftown. 
Do you? Um, that's Do you crazy, remember what he used to say? No, he used I, to say, he's Tazasasaway, which meant roll the cartoons. Fantastic. Do you remember Sally Starr? Sally Starr with the guns, yes. Are we the same God. age or did she, she just ran forever, right? Is that a, a Sally Starr was on for a long time. I, I, yeah. I always thought that she had been a, a stripper, but I don't, I don't know that that was true. <laughs> She um, have, but, she, but she had a show. It was on for a long time. It was on for yeah. all those yeah. six shooters. Yeah. Yep. Um, next God. So yeah, King Solomon's Mind. So wait. So how many? How many times? Because my dad would do that. So he would take me to the same movie over and over again. Well, it played for years, and it right. was what my father would do. It was either King Solomon's Mines or the Zoo. Okay. So that was it. Occasionally Snow White or something. But I really loved King Solomon's Mines. I was always, you know, a woman on safari, don't be ridiculous. I wouldn't take a woman on safari for a thousand pounds. What about three thousand? We leave tomorrow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Actually, I gotta say, Willard is one of those movies, by the way, that, that, my, oh. old man, that my old man took me to more, more than once inappropriately. But um, oh. enough about my trauma, sir. Let's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, well, let's, let's, yeah, what's next? What's next? Uh, next would be a movie I saw with my uh, older stepbrother when we went to Minnesota. I'd spend uh, times in Minnesota. We walked into this movie not knowing what it was about, but it was entitled Them. <laughs> them scared the, uh, the, you know, the bejesus right out of me. You me know, too. came home with wet shorts from Them. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that little girl walking through the desert with the doll with the broken head. Them, them. Oh. That, that did it for me when I was young. That was my first great horror movie. Giant ants. Mm. Um, Giant ants. Yeah. yeah. Am I wrong, Joe? I feel like I said this once before and you correct me. Isn't that the one that uh, Clint Eastwood plays one of the fighter no, pilots in? No, that's Tarantula. That it's was tarantula. That, that's a I movie that wouldn't have been made if it wasn't for them. That was James Arness. Ah. I think Fess Parker was in it. Fess Par that's the movie where Walt Disney found Fess Parker for mm -hmm. uh, for Davy Crockett. Yeah. Ah. See, there you go. The man who would know. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a it's a seminal movie for me. I mean, now I mean, can can you can you go back to to the way you saw it when you were a kid, because I'm, I'm almost fascinated. I'm almost struggling to do this myself. Were you, were you all in or was it, was it kind of clear that they were, that it was all fake? Oh, first of all, I, I was young. So I, 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 it wasn't a question of whether it was fake or not, because you didn't know what it was that was killing all these people that left the old guy with his mm. face all chewed up and, and sugar all around him in the basement and then they leave the cop alone there on the hill and then he hears this <laughs> that's what scared me by the time they got to you know burning them out and you know with the uh, grabbing james whitmore with the claws and everything you were in it you were right. in you were with the the thing you were along with the the army you were fighting them the monsters with the army but the first half of the unknown is what really you know scared me to death fantastic were you were you did that sort of turn you into a big horror guy like well, yeah, I always liked horror films. I mean, I was always, uh, I always, I'll get to a couple later, but um, 
um, uh, you you want me to go to those or do you want me to no, just do it or whatever order you want? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I was trying to think the next thing that really um, started me as a kid was um, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, and that just um, suddenly oh, there was a whole world. I I saved all my quarters and nickels up to try to buy scuba equipment. Because I wanted to go, and I, I live in Pennsylvania. There's nothing but the you know the rock quarries and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can go down and see a, a a muddy truck at you know seventy five feet, or so. Oh, there's a steam shovel. But at the time, you know, seeing twenty thousand leagues under the sea, really, really, um, I, I was so amazed at what could be done in a movie and what was spectacular. In fact, I even have a model of um, the Nautilus, which I learned how to draw as a kid, you know, making it and the, the glowing lights that comes through. And, and I got to meet Richard Fleischer years later, and he signed a, a, a DVD for me. And that was really exciting. But uh, it, it, it fueled my interest in underwater diving and stuff, which uh, uh, continued all the way through high school. I thought I was wanting to be a marine biologist what i didn't realize is what i really wanted to be was like mike nelson in sea hunt and have adventures. <laughs> yes so that's that's what happened i got into the mike nelson school of diving did you ever did you learn to, to scuba dive yes i did you did oh yeah i did i yes. i haven't lately but i blew my eardrum out a little bit doing a dive but i did go on one of the 12 most uh best dives in the world, which was in Fiji, in a place called Taviuni. And uh, you go along and you go through a blowhole and come out on the continental shelf and the current carries you along for a mile. You can only do it once a month. And you go in a group of 12 and you're all sort of tied together. And then you go back other up another blowhole and you, you hang out there till your equilibrium comes back, you know. So that was great. Okay. So I had a great adventure with that. And I finally got to do to live my dream of all time. And that was snorkeling with Lloyd Bridges. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think one of the best dives in the world was McGlinchey's in Philadelphia, but it's not there anymore. Hey, oh. Doug. Yes. <laughs> well, you haven't been back to Philadelphia. They were there for a long time, though. I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, that's, interesting. That's, why, that's sort of like, I guess that would be like me getting to, you know, finally fight crime with Adam West. I think that right. would be about, yes. the, <laughs> you don't really have to do it. You just get into a business <laughs> where you can play at it and get that's to right. do it. Uh, wow. That's great. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, give us another one. Number five, Spartacus. Number five. Are we are to five. Holy cow. Spartacus. Spartacus. Yes. yes. Was- I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I want to know where the wind comes from. <laughs> I'd rather be a free, free slave among you than the richest slave in Rome. <laughs> and that, uh, that was, uh, I used to spend my summers at Wildwood, New Jersey. Yes. With a friend named uh, Billy Romig. And uh, we used to, you know, place Spartacus and stuff all the time. And it, it went, it carried me all the way into junior high when we would, you know, 
get trash can lids and <laughs> fight for the damsels in distress, distress out at the out at the industrial sites. <clears throat> at which point the uh, police had <laughs> would capture all the girls sitting on the cars and come on the bullhorn and said, "This is Sergeant Rutgers. We have all the damsels in distress. So you, you Romans, might as well." Go home or come in. <laughs> so you were you were uh, you saw that in the theater, I assume, right? Yeah. First time, yeah. And and was that just overwhelming? Was it like theater was overwhelming. The first play I saw was in Philadelphia, and that was um 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 uh, uh, oh, May Mayfair, uh, My Fair Lady. Mm. I saw the Road Company of My Fair Lady. My mother actually um, was a secretary. She was a single mom working in, in Philadelphia. She'd go into Philadelphia every day. I was at Drexel Hill. And uh, I'd go to school and she'd go to work. She worked for Grace Kelly's father, John B. Kelly. And so she'd get these free tickets. And her, and her, her friend ended up being dates with um, Dane Clark and, and Don I forget his name. Uh, director directed. Um, you you know Don Taylor, huh? Don, Don Taylor. Taylor. Yes, it was. It was Don Taylor. So when I came to town, <laughs> uh, my mother said, "Oh, she didn't like Don Taylor. She thought he was kind of phony, but she really loved Dane Clark, and she thought he was great. And she was sorry he wasn't her date." And I I came to town and I auditioned for Don Taylor for um, 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 the movie. And I walked out the door and I said, anyway, dad, it's glad to meet you. And he just <laughs> left. And I ran into Dane Clark at a dental's, dental's office one time. And I pulled the same thing on him. I said, uh, uh, Mr. Clark, it's nice to finally meet you, dad. And he looked at me and said, oh, I wish so much it were true. <laughs> and my mother was right about that. <laughs> those guys. Wow. Um, well, what did do you remember? Like sitting, like what? Because you were you're still a kid, right? When Spartacus came, yeah. Out. Um, yeah. Like what was? What were, were you just overwhelmed? Was it? Because um, that's, that's what I, I, I just saw thought later. It was like, a wonderful yeah. story. I mean, what was great about it is I saw Ben Hur, and you know, Ben Hur was great spectacle and all, but Spartacus had a story, yeah. and you characters you cared about, you know. Yeah, <laughs> even Tony Curtis, I am a singer of songs. You know, you cared about all these people, and 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 uh, Gene Simmons. Oh man, oh yeah, Gene Simmons. I got in trouble with King Solomon's Mines because I I fell in love with Deborah Carr and loved redheads, and that proved to be a problem later in life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, uh, Gene Simmons was oh, she was so beautiful, and she had married. Stuart Granger from King Solomon's Mind. There you go. That's right. Yes, the circle is complete. <laughs> yes. But I mean, the whole scene at the end where she's holding up the baby, he's free. He's probably because he's free. I mean, it really tore me up as a kid. I thought, yeah. Yeah. such a wonderful story. Yeah. I, I love that one. Did, did you ever have you seen the, the kind of the, the longer version, the restored version that they did with? Um... No, I haven't. Uh, with Kubrick, uh, a lot more of his stuff was in the the march and the too much. How much no, was it? So it? much that it's that uh, there were some things that they took out because uh, they. Oh yes, I saw the thing that Tony Hopkins 
I saw the thing. Yeah, with Tony Hopkins. Tony Hopkins, Hopkins, Hopkins did, voice, yeah. uh, did Olivier's voice, you know, yeah. well, clams or oysters. Yes. <laughs> yes. I saw that scene. Is that, uh, that, that's the old script, because Anthony Hopkins sounds exactly like Lawrence Olivier, but Tony yeah. Curtis yeah, sounds nothing like mimic. Tony Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> Tony is a great member. <laughs> but yeah, that was wonderful, wonderful. Uh, we'd like to pause here a minute to thank our sponsor. We have a sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website. They're not only big fans of our show, but they feature many of the movies we talk about here, and so you can easily find them and add them to your collection. Sure, you could stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want to watch and when you want to watch it. And there's always a ton of great content and bonus features like director commentaries, deleted scenes, and stuff like that. Yep, that's right, Joe. They are the best. Uh, you're going to find classics, imports, hard-to-find films, and, of course, new releases as well. Um, pretty much everything Bruce uh, is talking about this week and our other guests uh, on previous episodes. Their prices are great. Their choices are endless. So you can own the titles you love, like hold them in your hands uh, and enjoy all the bonus features you just don't get with streaming. Uh, so click on the Movies Unlimited banner on the Trailers from Hell website. Uh, or you can go to Movies Unlimited and you can click on the uh, Movies That Made Me website. They'll take you to all of our episodes. Uh, there's links to every movie that's mentioned uh, on every episode. Um, they're just the best. They're a movie collector's website. Shipping is always free on orders over 50 bucks. So uh, let's get back to Bruce Davidson and let's find out what's the next movie that made him. I'm Jane Perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Psycho. Yeah. That was Wildwood, New Jersey, too. I got Oh, what a place. Yes, perfect. And it really <laughs> scared the hell out of me. And I thought it was so great. And, you know, I started, <laughs> you know, imitating Tony Perkins. I mean, you can see shades of it in Willard, even if you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tony Perkins in that and and all of that, that really scared me. And then I, uh, I, I was asleep and my, uh, my mother unfortunately left my friend, Billy Rummig, wake me up the next morning. And of course he came in and he went, <laughs> and I've never been the same ever since. <laughs> and were, you, and were you fortunate enough to have seen it before anybody spoiled it? Like, very yes, early or yes i didn't oh, know wow. anything about it i just i wow. was there, we were there the first night don't you can't come in before the after the first hour a half hour nobody will i mean they, they'll never like let first five in. minutes or something i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah so they, uh, no, i wasn't very good about not spoiling that movie actually 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it was well because that was the whole advertising gimmick. Was yeah. you know he, he's right. big blow ups of Hitchcock pointing at his watch and saying you know you can't come in, and you know which was then ripped off by William Castle and everybody else. Well, so, well I was going to say, and I saw all the Castle films and all of that stuff, and George Powell space stuff, and planets exploding. Uh, they were all great movies to me, but these are movies I'm basically that I can say change, change yeah, yeah. for better or worse. No, I'm, I'm so, that's one of those movies that just, you, you, you wish, because I, I think even by, you know, by the time I saw it as a kid, uh, even, right. you know, we, we knew what was coming. You didn't. Right. Uh, now the next one, I, I just was starting to hit college in. So I hit college and saw Dr. Zhivago after uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I love Lawrence of Arabia, but Dr. Chagall, Javago was so romantic and it was so, you know, the snow and I was going to school at NYU and, and we lived, the school was on seventh street, which was a Russian neighborhood and it was snow. And I'd be, you know, going to class going. And I just loved the romance of that movie. So that was um, sort it's of interesting, yeah. Because most people, I think, go go uh, uh, would would pick Lawrence. Yeah, the Julie Christie isn't in Lawrence. That's <laughs> I loved Lawrence of Arabia. I thought it was great, and it was you know certainly watching um, watching Peter O'Toole's performance. You know, I'd like a bed with clean sheets, and for the boy, uh, you know, I I love that. And I got to be friends years later with Robert Bolt. And got to know him, and uh, he said his two greatest images were the simplest ones uh, on film. The first one was in uh, in 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 Lawrence, where he says uh, the trick is not minding, and he puts yes. out the flame, and that suddenly there's the, the sun yeah. that, that could not be put out. That light. I got I got glared at at academy at an academy screening several years back when uh, I can't remember who was the head of the academy. They were introducing Lawrence, yeah, and and talking about uh, all the amazing and basically giving David Lean credit for the dialogue even. And yeah. I shouted out Robert Bolt, Robert and, Bolt, and, yes. <laughs> and his got um, a glare from the stage, but a few a few people clapping in the audience. So <laughs> and and the other one he loved in that was in Doctor Chivago, where you're just mm. seeing this slaughter happen in in, in the eyes. Yeah of of uh, omar sharif and you don't see anything and then he looks down and there's a puddle of blood in the snow mm. and he said for me that was the russian revolution yeah yeah in one simple shot and i I'll always remember that as uh, filmmakers and stuff years later if you could pare it down to the simplicity of what you're telling in a simple shot was, well, there's a um, have you, I'm sure we've talked about it too. Have you have you seen uh, the the Russian version of War and Peace, the seven and a half hour one? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, highly, highly recommend. It's from 1966, Joe. And yes. um, yeah, I, I just saw it a couple of years ago and won't shut up about it. But um, it's been yeah, restored it's, recently. Yeah, they've done a restoration of it. Of course, they had you know the, the Soviet government would just take anything you need and. You know, they have essentially about a billion dollar budget to make this movie with these massive epic battle scenes. It's the biggest right. movie you've ever seen, but probably the most impactful shot in the whole thing is a slow, slow, slow push in on an actress as one tear comes down her face. It's just right. devastating. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, I think, um, always Hopkins important to remember. We tried to capture and everything <laughs> from uh, when he was doing The Elephant Man. 
anyway, by that time in college, I got to uh, uh, a place called the Twelve Trees Cinema, which mm. yeah, um, you mentioned that, yes, yeah, uh, a, f- a friend of mine who uh, um, would run, and and there I started to see the films that really changed me that uh, that were uh, impactful as foreign films. The first was La Strada. Mm. And I got to see that. And that, uh, you know, these are the kind of movies that you walk out of and you're changed having witnessed them. And I got to work. Was that your first foreign film or your first kind of foreign film? No, I saw a couple of others, you know, but that was the one that was the first one that had the greatest impact on me. You know, there was a lot of a lot of the French new wave stuff happening and stuff. And, you know, that was all great and shoot the piano player and all of that but that was the first one that hit me mm-hmm. and i got to talk to quinn uh, i worked with anthony quinn we did two uh, films later and, and i said that incredible scene at the end where you look up the regret uh, comes into your life he says there was no regret nothing to do with regret i was looking up at the stars and i i thought of myself as so meaningless in the infinity of it all. I felt so small and that's what that was about. And I thought, okay, well, I've got something also for that, you know, and, and, and uh, so that was great. And then, then, Mm. then I got to see Amarcord too, which, uh, Mm -hmm. which I think was my favorite Fellini film. Because yes, yeah, I, I, me too. Yes, I, yeah. I, and people don't talk about that one enough. I feel like it no, I, I mean, it was just it, it, it was Fellini at his most uh, juvenile, and 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 you could see where all the characters and all the grotesqueries came started to come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, the accord, the blind accordion player, and Venus, the whore that mounted the docks, and and the you know the pomposity of the characters and they were all real they were yeah. all the real people that he grew up with that yeah. he knew you know yeah. play the beautiful a great uh, unattainable woman you know that can only be conquered by you know mussolini fascist soldiers that come in and stuff and, and he just captured so much of it and i loved the fact that it was always moving it was all, it was like a parade, the whole, mm-hmm. a parade into the, into what would become his future. I just love that film. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, yeah. again, for some reason, I mean, cause there are, you know, there are, there are weak Fellini films and you understand why they're not talked about and they're the great ones, but I, I feel like Joe, why, why does Amarcord get a short shrift? Because I did, thing? well, because I did the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joe's fault. It's Joe's oh, fault. Oh, really? Mm. Uh, was that was that one that that's one that Corman? Um... Yeah, Roger was releasing pictures by then, and by then by then the uh, the foreign films were were being dumped by this the major studios. They didn't want to they didn't want anything to do with them anymore, and so Roger picked them all up and he started putting out Fellini and Truffaut. Uh, and... Uh, that, that's one thing I regret that I wasn't on the ground floor with all you guys at Roger with Roger Corman. I got to. Well, be you him. were already well established. Before that's that. why. I didn't get to learn what the hell I was doing. You know, I got thrown into a couple of pictures as leads and I just working off of my instincts. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I had no clue. Well, you learn by doing. Well, you learn by doing, but I wish I'd learned more 
before I started doing. You know? I think you did pretty well. Yeah, you did it. pretty well for a guy who's. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway. uh, so Joe's, it's Joe's fault. I'm fascinated by that. Um, Actually, it was a very successful picture. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, so many of the, so many of you that started with him that. Uh, just were great. I used to meet him over a fellow named Beach Dickerson's house. Oh yeah, Beach so used you to be in all of his pictures, and he would put on his. He would also put on his porch and things. I mean, Beach right. was a yeah. jack of all trades. He was Beach Dickerson. Yes, he was. He couldn't never collect, but just had more Hollywood stories. Of oh the God, he knew. He knew our, all the Hollywood bodies. than anybody I've ever met. He buried some of them. Oh uh, yes, he did. <laughs> he buried most of them. I shouldn't be hearing anyway, any of this. <laughs> anyway, um, next one I saw was 400 blows. And that uh, just just blew me away, especially that you could do that on the fly with uh, the camera work and stuff. And I, I got to work uh, by 1972, getting into the film. And I started being successful then. And I got to work with Raul Coutard, who was the cameraman on that and it, what a wonderful cameraman because he could shoot by the seat of his pants and it was all about that new new uh, wave uh, french movement where they you know they could just shoot on the street and throw an eclair on your shoulder and walk down or i was shooting in jerusalem and he we'd walk into this old arab's hut of a house and he'd get some tin foil and a and a flashlight and stick it up in the corner there and just arrange the lights and shoot and boom. And the director would be fussing and he says, it's not about the, the sun coming in. It's about the actors getting in the door. We are losing the sun. Get, shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> and we shot. And, okay, what's the next shot? So I loved yes. Coutard working like that. And I got to work with Truffaut. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't get to work with him, you know, our old friend, Stephen. Um, we were neighbors and friends back in the early days uh, when he was shooting Close Encounters, Steven Spielberg. And um, he was explaining to Robert Bolton in the hot tub one night what, uh, what he was going to do. And he'd said, I'm going to make a movie that nobody's ever seen before. And we all said, okay, Steven, good luck with that. And he's been doing it every picture ever since. So, um, but... Um, well, I want more Robert Bolton the hot tub stories. That's, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I said, Stephen, what are all these triangles and what's the mothership and what's what is that? And he's trying to explain it. And Robert Bolton say, well, it sounds very interesting. And um, he's got Truffaut in that. And I, I I flew down. I'm I'm one of the extras that walks off the the mothership. But I just oh, no I think I just done Willard or something and he couldn't use me as anything more than a shadowy extra mm. or it would you know, blow a blow a tire out of the end. right oh that's fantastic so i'm the fourth pilot over on the the shadow of the four pilots that walk out the other three now if, if if we know what to look for can we tell it's you or are you just completely shadowed yeah uh, well i don't know you probably could you could probably tell it's me if you stopped the frame now that you could do nowadays but i had the hat on and everything else and the other three were the with the writers. Did you know and, that joke? Um, no. But uh, I got to fly down and I was on my way to do short eyes, I think. I think I was on mm. my way to fly to New York to do short eyes. And he said, stop off at Mobile and, uh, you know, be an extra. 
So I came in and I got to have dinner with him and Truffaut and um, Truffaut was having a cigar and he said, you, you want one? I said, yeah, okay. So I took a cigar and I lit it up and <laughs> choked for a minute. Then I let it go out and I kept it for years in a plastic bag till it all disintegrated. I was so so uh, sorry that I didn't get it and put it in plexiglass, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was true. Great. That's great. Uh, another film? Okay. Yeah. Paths of Glory. Oh. I think the last 10 minutes of Paths of Glory is the greatest uh, anti-war statement ever committed to film. And anybody who can see it, uh, you know, it is just uh, riveting. And, and, you know, kudos to Kirk Douglas for putting that together yeah. at the time. Also, Kirk Douglas, the man who gave Dalton Trumbo credit after the blacklisting mm -hmm. Spartacus. Uh, but the last 10 minutes of that are, are just uh, change, will change you forever if you've never seen it. Um, I, I, I had a friend who uh, was, said that he was very grateful um, that at the end of the picture, Kubrick um, shows all the cast members. Yes. And he said it's uh, to give you a chance to dry your tears before you leave the Yes. And the great credit going to the woman that was his wife, mm -hmm. who played the singer on stage as all these hardened, hardened, battle-scarred warriors, the, you know, throw things at the woman up there who's the little, the little gem washed up from the enemy's shore. And uh, it just, and, and I still, I, every time I, I can I can hear somebody's you know Kirk Douglas's last line when they say you know uh, we're, we're called back up to the front. He said, "Give, give them a minute." You know, great film. Yeah, it is, and it's 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 something um, it gets called out in the movie Stuntman, but uh, something sort of noticed before that so so many war movies, even if they're made with the best intentions, somehow end up inadvertently kind of glamorizing the experience. Yeah. Um, there's a line in the stuntman, remember, where he talks about a friend of his making his great anti-war statement and then the week it plays in his hometown and Lisbon goes up 100%. Yeah. But I've also thought like, that's that's one of the few films that you you can't walk out of paths of glory and go, uh, I'm gonna go join the army. Yeah. It just doesn't do that. Well, once again, it's not about the spectacle of blowing things up or carnage or any of that. It's yeah, or the heroism, the heroism, human soul, the and the yeah. decimation yeah. of 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 a single you know scarred, cragged face with a tear running down its face, yeah. his face, and um, you, you know, not to take it away from all the other great war movies, but that. That for me is yeah no it's, that's it's, the blood in the snow yeah yeah I, I, um, it's great then uh, I just one last film is a, a more recent one that I did uh, that changed me was that was twelve years a slave mm. but twelve years a slave really just got me as a person to the point where it was just no longer avoidable who we are. Who we have, who we, who we are, and what we have to, you know, the the heart and soul of America, and uh, 
the great scar that runs down our middle. And that, 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 that movie changed me as well. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's an amazing a, film. It's a, it's a great movie and it's uh, unfortunately it can't be taught in school. No, <laughs> you can't we don't, teach we don't, it. But we don't talk about that stuff. No, we don't. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you don't want to feel guilty about it, but shit, you, you better know who you are. You know, history, yeah. as they say, is repeated when one doesn't learn the lessons of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, those are my films. Oh, wow. Those are, well, that's a great, uh, a great selection there, Bruce. It's a great list. And, and also, it, it, you, you practically took me through my entire childhood since I guess we're pretty close <laughs> to the same age. I saw all the same pictures in the 50s. Well, we could go back and, and do all the, the subcategories, too, I'm sure, Joe. Uh, you know, you, 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 you are a master. I mean, I like to put you, I like to be in a room playing poker with you and Scorsese and Spielberg. You know, all of you are just the film historians that uh, know every film. Uh, I'm working with a fellow named Spencer Green now, who's kind of like that, too. He knows everything. He's a... a he uh, helped me write a, write uh, some stories from a book a, a book of of stories real stories that you know people that I've learned from. Is this, is this a forthcoming tome from Pardon? you? Pardon? Is this a forthcoming book from you? Um, um, well, it's forthcoming. I don't know if it'll ever be done, but you know, or I'll be dead and he'll finish it because he's a kid. Um, but uh, he's a, a Leonard Malton introduced me. So uh-huh. work for Leonard, Leonard's one of those guys too. Oh yeah, yeah well, Leonard, he, can, he, can, he can join the poker game along with Clint yes, and all those other could. people. He <laughs> could. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the things I learned very coming here from Philadelphia, where you know back back in Philly, uh, I, I was I was that kid. You know, I knew everything. I was the human encyclopedia of film. And you come here to LA, and you're like, ah, I'm going to show these people. And then you know, ten minutes after you get off the bus, you meet someone like Joe Dante, and you're like. Oh Jesus! Yeah, know but there's no, there's no point in being a human encyclopedia anymore now that we've got IMDb and, and yes, because all you have to is. do is look at, look it up. You know, but it's, we, it's had still, to, we had to carry all that stuff around in our heads. I yeah, know. The exactly. wonderful things are the experience I've had with some of the great people, hands on, one after another, like Bert or Henry right. Fonda or Lucille Ball. Things that you know you can't learn except sitting there in the makeup chair or, you know, having a drink after an 18 hour day or, you know, stuff like that, that are just, that's for me has been um, just the best advice and things I've ever had from people. Who, who, Robert was the, who was the first movie star you walked into to work with the first time you found yourself standing in front of a camera with a movie star? Do you remember who that? Uh, well, I guess that would have to be Bert. Bert. Because that was my like wow. third third film. Oh, yeah. oh no, no, I guess well, or Ernie Borgnine, yeah. working with Ernie. <laughs> Ernie was great, um, and he he was great. I asked him what the best advice he could give me was. He says, "Never go to bed angry at your wife." <laughs> Up and talk. That is great advice. But <laughs> two, three days, four days, I said that didn't work out so well with Ethel Merman, though. Did oh no? <laughs> Wait, did you say that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was, oh you know, yeah, I was a smart how, ass, how arrogant kid. I did, you know, I'd say anything. How I'd could it work out with that moment? I mean, <laughs> coming to my mind, you know, I challenged, like I say, I challenged Bert. And uh, <laughs> he'd say, You're a hell of an actor, goes without saying, you don't use rehearsal time properly. 
You try to get the performance <laughs> of the sound. When you give another performance, man laying the marks over there. You certainly give a performance for all those girl extras. Comes time to your close-up, you'll shot your walk. <laughs> like making love to a woman or whoever you may make love to. I don't know. <laughs> you can't try to have that orgasm all at once. You have to have foreplay. I think foreplay is the nice. shot, the shoulder <laughs> shot. You save it for the close-up. I feel like Borgnine's advice is probably the most useful, though. That's um... Ernest yes, Borgnine I think was so. such a nice guy. I mean, I only I only worked with him once, but he was oh, he was a, a, a fountain of stories and just he so was the sweetest man. And he had the greatest story. And he he loved everybody except what, that guy Joey, uh, who he did the the movie uh, the the TV series with Mikhail's Navy. Joey, oh, went to, Joe Joey Flynn. Yeah, he didn't like him. He didn't like oh, Joe no. Flynn. <laughs> no, why not? I've, I've also been fascinated by Joe Flynn. He said he tried to stab him with a samurai sword or something one time. <laughs> oh, that would be a reason not to like <laughs> Joe, Joe, what did you work with him on? I should know this. Joe um, Flynn? No, no, what did you <laughs> No, no, Joe, Joe, Joe was worked with him. He was one of the voices no, of, of the small soldiers. Oh, okay, great. Oh, yeah, no, of course he's a we hired the We hired the cast of The Dirty Dozen to play the... Oh God! Uh, Soldiers, Lee Marvin. Right, of course. Oh boy! Yeah, well, we couldn't hire because he wasn't around. But um, a great Lee Marvin story. I don't know. You guys are running out of time. Though. No, no, we're, no, we're, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Always time for a Lee Marvin story. Yes, always time for a Lee Marvin. Okay. Story. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm at um, uh, shooting a movie with Cassavetes in Munich uh, called The Brass Target, and. Uh, Cassavetti's a whole raft of, you know, Sophia Lauren and Max von Sydow and George Kennedy playing Patton. And Germans, uh, Russians could shove it up their ass, you know. And uh, uh, there's another movie shooting there, and uh, Lee Marvin is doing Von Ryan, not Von Ryan's Express, some somebody's Express or something like that. It was another big picture. Express. Oh, good God, yeah. Very good. We're all staying at the Arabella. And Joe Namath and uh, and um, uh, God, uh, all of them were in that. And uh, who was that? God, I I'm getting so senior momenty. Uh, Jaws, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. So anyway, and Robert Shaw was shooting uh, the other lead with Lee Marvin. Anyway, they have this party. It was Oktoberfest. Everybody was drunk out of their minds. It was like the first scene from Das Boat, you know, people sliding around <laughs> in the party, right? drinking and, and of the two film companies all together and everybody was there and um, one actor got up, hey, had two bottles of John Perrion, tried to get attention and smashed them together. They were all over his chest and I'm just thinking, and I'd stopped drinking. I just stopped drinking and Cassavetes was pissed at me for that. I wouldn't hang with him until three in the morning. And and I and I'm at this party, you know, talk about, you know, just the fifth wheel walking around this place thinking, what the hell am I gonna do? And over in the corner there is sitting Lee Marvin having a ginger ale all by himself. And I walk over and I sit down. He says, Yeah, hey, sit down, sit down, sit down. Um, you're not drinking. He says, No, I'm getting ready for my palimony. Palimony case I got coming up. Uh, so I said, I'm not drinking either. He says, well, that's good. So let's, uh, why don't we have a meeting? 
I said, okay. Uh, then we started talking and I, we started talking about alcoholic fathers. And I was talking about my father. And I said, my father came back from the war. He was, uh, you know, he was shattered. He was just, but he was always a pleasant, mellow drunk that was always falling in the lake or falling down the steps and then explaining himself, I fell in the lake, you know, obvious stuff like that. And, and he looked at me and he said, well, you're very lucky. And I said, what, what do you mean? He said, no, my father wasn't like that when he drank. And I said, really? And then I said, what was the worst experience? He said, well, it was probably when he knocked my tooth out and kicked me down the basement steps and I fell head over heels down the bottom of the steps and I'm holding my hand and up to my mouth as blood is coming out of it. And I say, what do I have to do to make you love me? And he said, fucking die. That was the worst. And that's where Lee Marvin came from. Well, and I never saw him again. I never saw him after that. We never ran into each other again, but I just remembered poor Lee Marvin. And that's wow. where he came from. That's where that Marine came from. Mm. Anyway. Wow. Nice. Uh, well, that's a hell of a story. Yeah. Uh, well, Bruce, um, thank you. Thank you for cheering us up. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> going, going out on a high note. <laughs> I got a, I'm sure I got a happier one, but I <laughs> But uh, no, this this has been wonderful. Yeah, that's uh, great. It's, and, it's uh, such a pleasure. And, and you should stay in touch now that I've got your numbers and stuff. Oh, please do, Joe. I would love to, you know, s sit down and just chew the fat with you anytime. I mean, you, you always had such wonderful wisdom, and and you you know you were a, an encyclopedia of our business you yeah well, i've, I've forgotten walking, more than i remember but you're the <laughs> like walking you. world book <laughs> well thank you very much sir and um, thank you josh it's been a yeah. pleasure too i didn't mean to leave you out oh no, no that's okay. right. I'm, I'm, I'm absolute pleasure to, to meet you Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.